Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Central Texas Life. It is a joy for me to have Brett and Emily Mills here with us today because they are the poster couple for what this podcast is all about. And that's talking to folks who've seen a need and said, yes, I'll do something. And then it becomes so much greater than anybody could have imagined. And we're talking about Jesus said love. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for having us. Well, it's, it's really, I just, you know, when I think about how that all happened and I know the story, but you may not know the story. So Brett, if you would tell, tell us how the whole thing came about that you started a ministry of reaching out to women in the, and men in the sex trade. So it started with uh, me marrying a woman uh, who has a crazy capacity to love people. Um, we were, so we are musicians by trade and we were at an event in Austin, Texas, leading worship for a, a conference and women began to get up and tell their stories of how they were coming out of the sex industry by a group of church ladies who brought Easter to them. Just a real simple concept. And we were so moved by that on the way home, Emily said, let's go to the strip club. And I said, what? <laughs> that you, was what? not what you were expecting to ever hear. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> 2004, our oldest daughter was one, and uh, it was right around Good Friday. And so I said, okay, what? let's see what happens. Yeah. And so we went to our church and collected some uh, some gifts, some Easter bags, and uh, Emily and her best friend, Dawn, went to the strip clubs. We had three at the time in Waco. And they said, um, y'all come on. And so Good Friday, 2004, began a journey that we had no idea we would be here today. I can tell you that much. Yeah, Yeah, and we've just kind of ended the Easter season. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is moving into uh, a season of time where you're raising some money. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about Wild Tours before we go any further, because it's it's been on hiatus now for a couple of years. Yeah, we've had a two-year break because of COVID. And um, so in many ways, we feel like we're kind of rebuilding uh, people's awareness of what wild torch is because unfortunately it's like out of sight out of mind you know when you're not doing these events people forget about you mm-hmm. and so the cool thing about wild torch is it really is um it really is an experience we use the visual and performing arts to tell the story of women whose lives have been impacted by commercial sex exploitation and we do it through the arts because music is universal the arts are universal and it has a way of hitting people and hitting the message home more than a sermon or a good speech could ever do. Uh, So it's really a beautiful event. This year's event is going to be really exciting because I found out probably about seven years ago that Waco had a legal red light district uh, at the turn of the century called the reservation. And the interesting about this um, time period in Waco's history is that 
we were kind of becoming the epicenter of Texas. We were the where the wild, wild west met economic, religious, and educational boom and growth. Right. So you had, uh, we were also called Geyser City at the time. You had these mineral springs underneath major hotels in the downtown square. Baseball teams were here. Um, they would come to the healing waters of these hotels and yet you had shootouts. I mean, six you, shooter junction. Yeah. You it had cattle crossing, you had Chisholm trail, um, mm -hmm. but you had Baylor university. You had first Baptist Waco and prostitution legally happening in the midst of all of it. Um, so it's just a really fascinating time period for us to look back on because it was legalized. We have, records, health records. We have records of all the women who worked in the body houses, B-A-W-D-Y. Mm -hmm. And and they had um, these bordellos and women would receive health care and things like that. So all of that's registered. What we know about them is that most of the women died of suicide, drug overdose, or violence. And Which is not too different. 105 from years today, later, yeah. we just say, What's changed? So many things have, um, but what hasn't changed is the fact that poverty is still the number one factor of women who are targeted for exploitation and trafficking. And so when we want to do something about this evil and we want to do something about this vice, um, we have to look at poverty and we have to look at what is driving women and why are they being targeted by men uh, most of the time. Uh, for this line of work. Yeah, your event is set for May 6th, Correct. Friday evening. It's going to be at the convention center. It That's is. a different location. It, uh, it seemed like the last one I was yeah. able to go to was at the Hippodrome. Yes. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Yes. Just so much fun. Yeah. But, I mean, meaningful, impactful, but but it's not, you know, a heavy... Yeah. I mean, it's 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 sort of a celebration There's a hope. of what can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to bring right. humanity Right. to this issue. I think yeah. sometimes when we look at the commercial sex industry, it feels so overwhelming. It feels like such an ancient problem, such something that's bigger uh, than yeah. we can do anything about. Yeah. Right. And what we're finding is, you know, survivors are just like everyone else. They're they're smart, they're human, they're resilient. They have dreams and aspirations and children. And so they're wanting just as much from their lives as you want from your life. And we want to put that on display that night and what we're doing to watch that happen. Yeah, you told a, a story, I, your Facebook page, by the way, and it's Jesus Said Love. You can, you can yeah. go on. You've been posting some really fascinating mm. historical pieces. And one had to do with um, a murder trial mm. in 1891, Madam Hattie Tyree, Tyree, Tyree. who was... Um, on the reservation, as they called it, in Waco. And a, tell that story about her children. Yeah, so what they discovered, um, Waco <clears throat> had a lot, before they had a legal reservation, they had licensed, there was a provision in our city charter that licensed some bordellos. Mm. So it wasn't fully the reservation at this time. Okay. But she had a license and she was operating this bordello out of her home. What they discovered, there was rumor that, that there, well, there was a murder trial that happened there. There was a, a someone got killed. She got really upset. Um, and the story is pretty interesting. And we'll have some of these documents on display um, that evening. But when the murder trial 
came about, they discovered over a dozen children under the age of 10 who were living in this bordello. Mm. And what was unfortunate about it is that no one in Waco would adopt these children. And they were denied public school education. So child welfare services at the time, which was called something different than it is now, but they removed the children. They would not let the moms raise the children. And they sent them to what was called the Waco Poor Farm. Yeah. And it was a place where um, lower level criminals could work off their debts. Oh my goodness. So these children who are only marginalized because of what their mothers have had to do to survive are now being raised at a farm for in for indentured servitude to work off debts. Uh, so really unfortunate and and just really crazy to see the the generational impact that this industry and also cities can have on children and policies that really could protect children. Yeah, uh, Brett, what has surprised you the most, and what what you've learned about the history of Waco and and how it relates to the the work you've been doing now for many years oh, yeah. with uh, these these individuals. So I think one of the most fascinating pieces of this whole deal is back then the aggression, the anger, the we're going to penalize you was on the woman, it was yeah. on the seller of sex. And what we know today is the commercial sex industry. No one chooses to be a part of it. Like it chooses them based on their circumstances. Mm -hmm. We've been working with women for over 18 years now. We have yet to meet someone who said my lifelong dream is to do X, Y, Z. There's circumstances that get them in that. And they think they have no choice. And they have, they, 89% they, 89% say they have no other choice. They yeah. have no other means of survival. So they have to do this to put mm -hmm. food on the table. And so back then they penalized her. Today, what we know in our education of this issue, it's a supply-demand. It's an economic engine. Commercial sex industry is $472 billion industry today. But what we know now, if we go after demand, then we can help rehabilitate the supply side. And so the beauty of it is another interesting piece. We'll talk about it while Torch. Guy McNamara, the great uncle of our current sheriff, Parnell McNamara, was the lawman in charge during the reservation. He was responsible for shutting the reservation down. In 1917, President Wilson issued a decree, if you're going to have a military base, you have to shut your red light district down. Right, right. So Guy McNamara was responsible for doing that. His approach was get the women out of town. They had until Saturday midnight to leave Waco or they would be prosecuted on the spot. Their pictures were plastered oh. over every police department and around town and surrounding areas, the women's pictures. Yeah, not, this kind of hurts my heart yeah. to hear, yeah, but, hear this, you know. But what is so cool is today, Sheriff Parnell McNamara <laughs> oh, yeah. now understands these issues. And yeah. so for him, it's we go after the bad guys yeah. and we help the women. Help the women. Get them rehabilitated, get the help they need. Absolutely. He sat right here on this uh, sofa with Susan Peters. Yeah. And they've done so much with the uh, the sex slaves yeah. and the and and those victims, yeah. I, I would suspicion though a lot of the the women um, that y'all deal with, it, it has been a little more of a voluntary, yeah, entering so we, into it than than being kidnapped or whatever you know the horrors. So you when hear we about sex. when we think about the commercial sex industry, right? Think of it like a wheel with spokes. So it's made up of 
prostitution, the porn world, yeah. uh, stripping, novelty stores, and human trafficking. Okay? So when we think of it as a whole, yes, there are areas. For instance, someone who works at a novelty store went and applied for that job. Is that a dangerous job? Probably not. Um, are they contributing to the industry, industry as a whole? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When we look at human trafficking, do they choose to go into that? In most instances, no. no. Or knowingly, I should say. you know, right. Because what we know about human trafficking is it's about force, fraud, or coercion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get duped into um, it. Now, do people in porn choose to go do that? Maybe on the front end, but once they get into the industry, they're dealing with the same issues. 69% suffer from PTSD. Yeah. 89% say they have no way out, but w- with no other means of survival. Right. So we're looking at the same issue. 70% of human trafficking victims come through the strip club, the porn set, and the streets of prostitution. So I think that a new study that we've really looked at is understanding prostitution, because you're right. The concept is women in prostitution or women in strip clubs have have some degree of agency to have chosen to be there, right? Mm -hmm. So what we've learned from this study is that 50% of women in prostitution have a third-party controller of their money. So that would mean that half of them aren't even in control of their own funds. The other statistic that we look at is of the human trafficking victims recovered in the U.S. borders are not foreign immigrants. They're they're United States citizens. The majority of kids recovered in human trafficking are United States citizens. So this is our problem. Um, and, And I really, really think that in terms of how we look, and that's what's been in my own life, you know, I had bias. I didn't know I had bias against women in the sex industry, but I really did think there's some some desire in her that is unlocked when she gets to dance on that stage, or mm-hmm. she wants this. An and exhibitionist cra- gene right, in there. Right, she craves yeah. this attention and, mm. and, and things like that. And what I'm, what I'm recognizing is that most of the women have been groomed and what's been so convicting yeah. by childhood sexual abuse mm-hmm. that at some point in their story, their bodies were exploited, they were harmed, they were marred. And that leaves you being very vulnerable to re-traumatizing yourself or being re-traumatized, I should say. Um, and and so really it's, what's the context of her choice? What Did, did she choose it? Did she want to be in the strip club was it just a fun wild hair but what led her there what's the context of that choice yeah what's exciting is that through jesus said love you are offering hope and you're offering answers and we're going to talk more about that when we come back stay with us Thank you. We are back with Brett and Emily Mills. Jesus Said Love Wild Torch event is back. Yay. <laughs> uh, May 6th. Yes. And uh, how can folks get tickets to this a Friday evening event at the Waco Convention Center? It is. It's a fundraiser. We are invite anyone and everyone to come out. Tickets are at wildtorch.com. Um, we, we would invite anyone. We've still got sponsorship levels available. So businesses um, who want to jump on board and do something about this, 
can absolutely join in. Yeah. How, how many are you expecting? Our our goal would be what three hundred and fifty. Oh, good. This yeah. year. Yeah. Well, we're not there yet. Yeah. The the sad part is uh, before the pandemic hit, we were we were on course to fill the big room at the convention center. Oh wow. Yeah. We had already outgrown uh, the Hippodrome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So our final event that was in 2019 was outside, mm-hmm. and we had almost 600 people at that oh, deal, yeah. and then the world shut down. Yeah. So we right. are rebuilding, and so our, our hope is for about 350. Yeah. yeah, Well, but folks, believe in what you're doing, and, and we were talking about the supply and demand thing. Another outgrowth of this, Brett, is your work with the Johns. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so... Again, I married a woman who loves compellingly, <laughs> and she had gone to a meeting of a, of a group of like-minded folks, and one of the things they had agreed upon was we want to bring back some kind of intervention program. In 2013, the city of Waco had the very first John School of the United States. Right. I remember we and reported on that. And they served yeah. over 132 Johns. Uh, it was facilitated through Waco Police. Uh, Detective Anita Johnson spearheaded it. And then a couple of years later, it got shut down. There were some politics at play and it lost its funding. So one of the ideas was let's bring the John school back. So Emily came back and said, Hey, I signed you up <laughs> to create a program. And my first thought was, I don't even know what Tell to do. Right. I, don't I didn't to... sign you up. I signed JSL That's up. Correct. Okay. That's correct. Um, but what happened? But what happened was as we got into it, the, it got me, the bug got me. And I was fascinated to learn of the issues of, I've never bought sex before. So to learn of these issues. And uh, so we cre- I worked with Anita Johnson looking at her content mm-hmm. and uh, we realized very quickly we needed to create new content that was current, that was Texas-based. Um, and so we wrote a whole new program using experts in their fields. We talk about human trafficking, sexually transmitted diseases, the addiction cycle. Uh, we talk about your story, you know, the fact that I can't move into healing unless I'm willing to own what I've been sick from. Mm-hmm. And so we pitched for about two years to uh, uh, the DA's office, to judges, to, to attorneys, help us get this program in the hands of people who need it. And so at the time, uh, Abel Reyna, who was the DA, took a risk on us and said, okay, let's do it. And so to date, we've seen over 200 men go through our program. We've only seen one return. Really? In the whole that now that doesn't mean that someone hasn't bought again but right. the cool thing is is when they come into the class most have their motivation of I'm not hurting anyone purely transact she's chose to I'm just helping mm-hmm. her out mm-hmm. by oh, the yeah, they end can rationalize anything mm-hmm. by the end I've seen grown men in tears yeah. had not when they realize what they've right. done I had a detective from Bell County Sheriff's Department come and audit the class in the morning we're looking around the room and she had arrested over half the room Tensions were high. I was going to say they could. They, I was. A, I know you. <laughs> I was yeah. really intrigued about how this was going to go down. Mm. She came at the end of the class. She had tears in her face. She said, "Brett, I've never experienced anything like this. I just met five of the guys that I arrested. They hugged me and thanked me for arresting them. That they had to come to this class." And she said, "This is better than jail. Yeah. Let's keep this thing going." And so now we're serving men around the state. And last week. We just want a grant for $80,000 to do a complete refresh of this program to take it to the national level and put it in the Spanish language. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you, because I'd seen that you'd won a yeah. major grant. And um, again, this is another example of somebody seeing a problem and saying, yes, I'll do something. But I may yeah. not 
no, you know. Yeah. But you figure it out. And then it becomes so much bigger than anything you can. Is there like a typical profile of a guy who? You know, the statistic is white college educated male. Really? That's the statistic, the official. Mm -hmm. I will tell you amongst the 200 that I've worked with, I have seen anywhere from 18 to 85. Um, No specific ethno background. Um, no specific uh, economic background. So we've had folks that are plumbers all the way to triple board certified pulmonologists. Oh my gosh. Um, and what I, the, the common missionaries, pastors, yeah. um, athletes, yeah. um, professional athletes, the common denominator that I see in the probably 99% of the cases is some form of an addiction to porn. Right. Mm-hmm. That is kind of, if there's a gateway drug. It is the marijuana of yeah. the mm-hmm. sex industry. So what could be done about that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think knowledge is power. Yeah. And that's part of our goal is Stop Demand School started as a sex buyer's intervention course. Mm-hmm. But we can take this course. We actually just got off the phone with University of Central Florida to talk about um, educating the hospitality industry there. They have a 4,000 right. person hospitality, they're the biggest hub for hospitality workers. And um, it really is about using this curriculum in churches, in corporate America, and as a sex buyer's intervention tool. Um, so it can be used and modified in multiple ways. You can teach different modules um, to really educate about what this issue, how it's driven by pornography. I think too, it is important that we do talk about it. You know, particularly in the church, we tiptoe around it. We yeah. keep it very antiseptic. Um, in the, at the education, I teach a lot of this material at Baylor, particularly in the human sexuality department. Um, when we put real life words on these subjects, that's when the light bulb goes on. For instance, the average age of viewing porn today is eight years old. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eight years and old. And it's because of the yeah. phones because and the, the, the phones. accessibility is there. Right. And so an eight-year-old oh, doesn't know word. to look for that. It finds them through oh. whatever, but then it ignites biological things within them to be curious. And, to, and then you go down a rabbit trail. And now what we see is from age eight to age 20-something, if you've been watching porn regularly, you've rewired your brain. And so now we're seeing erectile dysfunction drugs being prescribed for 20-somethings more than 60-plus diabetics, mm-hmm. which is what it was intended for. That's Wait, what yeah. we're dealing with today. I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I mean, I really... Yeah. And we've really... So some of this for us, because the reality is, if, if you have a child, I mean, we've got three kids. Mm-hmm. And, and we... They're growing up. I saw your, your up, Easter picture, oldest, and you, they're yes, just beautiful, our beautiful family. Yeah. And, but yeah, but they're... I remember when they're yeah yeah and so they they're growing up in a different world than yeah. we grew up oh, in their exposure rate is is so much higher um, all of our kids have been exposed already no matter how good of parents we were yeah. they're exposed right and so the grace to us that has been Jesus said love is that we can work to remove that shame barrier and we can bless the curiosity and say and the fear of Hey, so who showed you who showed you that at school? Mm-hmm. What did it make you feel like? Did you want to look longer? Well, that's natural. 
but let's talk about some ways that it can actually be harmful yeah. if you keep doing it. And instead of it coming, but that's bad, don't talk about it, you're grounded, I'm throwing the phone well, away. Ah, yeah. Um, Wash your mouth out with the soap. It's, <laughs> let's make yeah. sure we're prevented, you know, we're being proactive as right. parents. Um, we work a lot with Talk More Tech Less, um, which is a tech prevention they teach in the schools, China Spring, Midway, Wake OSD, to talk about all the filters you can put on your phone, all the ways that the, you can have digital wellness in your life instead of digital addiction, uh, because that does play into the sex industry. And now it's all moving online. Even clubs are shutting down. And they're not, I mean, we had three, we have one now, but most of it's moving online. Women are- And it's just been an economic- Only fans, Instagram, paid ads, all of that is happening online. Yes. So that's just the trend. And so it's so important for us to talk about these issues and really ask better questions about what is it that continues to drive up the appetite and the demand And what is it that's driving the supply? Is it we don't have, as women, good enough pay, good enough job opportunities, the ability to work from home with Mm -hmm. your children? Daycare is crazy expensive. You know, what are the options there for women? But Jesus says love has been a very, or said love. Yeah, it's hard. He he says it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. But to provide training, to provide uh, work opportunities. Let's talk a little bit about that. That's the most exciting thing. I think that, I mean, watching the transformation of um, of not only our our organization, but of survivors has been the highlight. It has to be. It has to be so rewarding for you to know these these individuals whose lives have been changed. Yeah, so entrepreneurs, um, Luna Juice Bar is a business yeah, we I invested know. in. I know. Waffle Chick Waco, um, Randa Hart does eyebrows, and she's looking at another venture. We just got a call from a survivor in Florida who's looking to open an Airbnb and wants our help with the business plan on that. So it's just incredible um, to watch women thrive. But probably, I think one of the coolest things since the pandemic has been that we've increased survivor leadership on our board and on our staff. Mm-hmm. Good. So our case manager is a survivor herself. Mm-hmm. Our director of social enterprise giving jobs to women is a survivor herself, both of whom we met in the clubs who have transformed their lives and are working professionals now, working alongside other nonprofits to rehabilitate survivors, working for you know with law enforcement on advocating, working with buyers from major corporations to get our products into their storefronts so that we can hire more women and it's just incredible to watch them come into themselves it's true it truly is everybody needs someone to believe in them right and really we get asked this all the time you know what was your business plan 18 years ago we didn't have a business plan. <laughs> I'm gonna say. and this was about going to the strip club to take easter yeah. that's you took that easter baskets yeah that was the plan but now yeah. it, it is we just make space for people to win mm-hmm. and get out of the way. So if someone says, hey, I've always wanted to do this, then we'll go, we know someone, or mm-hmm. let's figure out how to make that happen. We can do that. And then we get out of the way and they win. So the beauty of it is it's not us fixing it for them. Correct. Right. It, is their, it is their hard yeah. work and, and we their always, success. Our taglines are awaken hope and empower change. And what we've learned about empowerment is that it's an inside job. And a lot of organizations who have a desire to help people 
end up becoming enabling organizations. That's not good. And that's not good. Mm. We don't want to do that because it takes power and agency away um, from them being able to self-actualize into who they want to be and where they want to go. Mm. But I, I know you've developed so many amazing relationships with people you never dreamed. Never dreamed. You would, you know, would just have a piece of your heart. Mm. And yet there have been some, I know, some that that have lost you've lost along the way and it's like a family member it is is. i still you know i know you've heard kathleen's song before and we we've lost four um recently survivors dixie um back in 2011 yeah i remember was our first Mm -hmm. real loss just tragically in a motorcycle accident Um, but since then you know watching women have um, overdoses car wrecks heart attacks because of um drug addiction and just the life that they lived um it 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 is it doesn't get easier Mm -hmm. i think i think what i'm accepting now is that grief is a part of experiencing great joy and so i have to you know to become desensitized because toward every loss because we're going to lose more women i mean we're we lose in life we lost brett's dad during to COVID, you know, mm-hmm. losses, loss is part of life. It's hard. Um, and so I'm, I think I'm learning through this work that, you know, walking and wading through grief can be a gateway to beauty and to joy. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing so much to bring beauty and joy to lives that, that think there's, it's hopeless. Yeah. And, and that's what's so remarkable about what, is all about Jesus said love and your, and your willingness to say yes you know I want to do something mm. and then just see you know with amazement as I am just watching you know and seeing what all you've been able to accomplish but I like to end these little visits it's a little questionnaire mm. that the uh, wonderful <laughs> late great James Lipton would use on inside the actor's studio so, so I'll just kind of ping pong between the two of you my little take on it Brett we'll start with you what is your favorite word Oh, what is my favorite word? Bless. Yes. Yeah, it's bless. Mm-hmm. I want to be a blessing. I want to be blessed. I want to see people blessed. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite word? Moist. <laughs> you know, I've heard that before. <laughs> that is, That's hilarious. That's great. Okay. What turns you on? Creatively, mm. emotionally, or spiritually, Emily? Nature. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I love being outside. I love being on the water. I love dogs. Um, nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then what turns you off? Hmm. I'm going to get in trouble. Go for it. Hey, it's a podcast. Oh. Um, <laughs> just no profanity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think what, I think what turns me off I'll say I get a little itchy in some super religious environments now yeah it's I've had to work through that and so and I think it's because I feel now often what survivors feel yeah so you yeah so yeah I, I, I get have that. them always before me right and I feel kind like of filter ways I am just like she is yeah. we just ended up in two different places yeah. but for the grace of god yeah and so yeah. so sometimes those really 
like I'm such a spiritual religious person, mm -hmm. but sometimes a real pat answer or boxy environment that doesn't allow space for sort of. difference. Para is parasitical. It's a turn off. Yeah, yeah it's maybe a, turn off. a little bit. Yeah. I might flip a table. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> what sound do you love the most, Ooh. Brett? Uh, next to Emily singing. Ah, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's am And you'll be performing at yes. Wild Talks Absolutely. again. Absolutely. We've got new music coming, too, I so can't you'll wait. have to come. Yeah. Um, the ocean. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. The ocean is my happy place. Okay. What uh, is your least favorite sound? Uh, vomit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What other profession would you have liked to have tried? Oh, man. Come on, babe. Tell them. It's you like, know. you know. You know something? No. I mean, oh. I, I have an idea. <laughs> I mean, I have so many. This is I like the newlywed game. <laughs> I, I have so much of that entrepreneurial yeah. drive. I mean, I, a writer, a background singer for Sting. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to do that. I would have loved to have. go on a tour oh, with yeah. like a major artist. Um. I would have loved that. that yeah. What, where do you think? I was going to say sing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You've got yeah. the vocal chops for it, for oh. sure. For sure. Well, what do you know you would not want to do professionally? I would not want to be a dental hygienist. <laughs> zero. Oh, wow. Zero parts would I ever want to do that. Aren't we grateful for them, though? I'm so grateful. Yeah, I have an appointment, like, in a couple of weeks. I know. And I always feel better. Yeah. But I just wouldn't want to do that all day. <laughs> It's so, it's so technical, and it's involving so much, mm -hmm. all the... It's intimate. It's, yeah. It is. In, it extremely is. so, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. And finally, for the both of you, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You guys did it well. Um, I mean, of course, I think of well done, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I also am really excited to hear, um, welcome home. Yeah. Just welcome. So often this last question gets folks tearing up. I'm, tearing mm -hmm. up. I'm, I'm doing my Barbara Walters on myself. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, I look at the two of you, and I've, it is being well done, and I thank you so much yeah. for being with me today. And, uh, again, Wild Torch, May 6th. Wildtorch.com. Wildtorch.com. I hope Don't to see out. everybody there. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you both. Sam. And thank you for being with us. Bye-bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.